It's time to be heard. It's time to stand up and be counted. It's time for One Too Many Voices with your host, Love Scopes author and father of all things One Too, Mark Husson. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another edition of One Too Many Voices. This is Mark Husson, and I am so excited today because we're doing another panel of signs. And if you haven't heard, today's sign is Aquarius. And I am so excited because they, even from their own mouths, admitted how brave I must be to be in the same room with them. So <laughs> on behalf of you, listening in, and on behalf of my panel, my lovely, lovely panel, who I'm going to introduce to you, I am really excited to be here and to talk about what are the issues, what is it like to be an Aquarian? What is it like to live with an Aquarian? You guys listening in, if you have questions, I'll be in the chat room taking note. If you're listening during the live broadcast, if you're listening to a replay, I'll try to do my best to ask questions that you might be asking. So let's start right off. First off, I'd like to introduce somebody who has been with one to listen all of these um wonderful panelists have are one to listen advisors that means they've passed serious testing on their ability to bring intuition intelligence and psychic ability to the table and and are now on the team at one to listen.com so i'm so happy about that my first guest anita ahuja has been with us for i don't even want to tell you how long and <laughs> She was the host of Lifting the Veil, still will be the host of Lifting the Veil in my mind. One of the best interviewers I have been with in a very long time. She's intelligent. She's smart. She is totally rebellious. She does her sign incredibly well. If you will, please welcome with me Anita Ahuja. Anita, are you with me? I'm here, Mark, and very excited so and good. very, very uh, it's just so admiring your courage to do this today. <laughs> I know. Even the Aquarians admitted I love it. It's so clear. You, I have a secret love of Aquarius. I know you all don't believe me, but I really do. My second guest is also been with One to Listen probably not quite as long as Anita, but a, quite a while enough for me to feel embraced and to know her. She's courageous. She, I, I think of her as having moved – when it, we met, she was moving from Hawaii in a very prestigious – uh, job and uh, land the, now on the West Coast. She um, did a reading for me. Uh, in, it's similar, interesting. They both, uh, Anita and Mary, uh, had talked to me once about Mother Mary. And um, she moves energy in a way that is always consistent with her with her tone, her commitment to life. You can feel it in her. If you would please welcome to to the show, Mary Spicer. Mary, are you here? I am. Hello, 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 Mark. So excited to play with you and all my fellow Aquarii today. I think we're going to have a lot of fun. I think we are, too. Hey, Mary, what's the name of your radio show? Because I did, I announced Anita's and I didn't announce yours. My name is called The Mary Spicer Show, and it's Thursdays at 11 on 1-2 Radio. Thank you. Awesome. Last and certainly not least, I actually got to... Um, hug this person, uh, and I got to hug Anita. Mary's the only one I have not hugged in physical form. I'm sure in time and space we have. Um, Tamara Childs is uh, living in Montana with her heart in California and in Colorado. I met her. It was an accident that she was in Colorado. 
and I got to see her. She's adorable. She's lovely. She has your wait a minute. You're inspired life on Fridays at one, two radio. And one of the sweetest, most consistent with her own personal integrity people that I know. That's one thing I'm going to talk about with the Aquarian thing. All of you guys have this, but if you would please welcome with me, Tamara Charles. Tamara, are you with me? Yes, I am, Mark. It's great to be here. It's so good to have you here, too. And also, you're an author for me on Mark's Power Peak uh, that I forgot to tell you, and I'm telling you now. I titled it Your Inspired Life. I, Did you I, notice? I noticed that. Thank you for giving me a title. Love that. See, she's not even upset. Thank you, Tamara. Um, and thanks for being here, all of you. It is so cool to have the Aquarius show be early of the shows that I'm doing because usually in astrology, you all might notice, we always start with Aries because it's the birth of spring. And it's, it's historically, that's what astrologers always start with. Aries is like the, the, the baby of the zodiac and we mature all the way, all the way around to Pisces and you're just before Pisces. So I want to talk to you about some of the prejudices, some of the beliefs that people have about Aquarius the, to give the listening audience an idea. Aquarius is ruled by Uranus and Uranus is the planet of rebellion. It's the planet that says, do not give me rules. Do not give me um, anything that fences me in because just as soon as you have this expectation of me, I'm going to do the opposite because I have to. And um, it also ties into the myth of Prometheus, who was told not to give fire to the humans. Don't go to mankind and give fire to them because they don't deserve it. But Prometheus, like a typical Aquarius, and we're going to talk about that, did not believed in humanity. He did believe in humanity. He did not want people to suffer. He didn't believe they should. And he snuck and gave them fire. And boy, did he get punished for it. His liver was eaten out every day, which means it had to be eaten out and grown back. And it was really awful. We're going to talk about that too. Let's start off with this rebellion thing. Anita, I'm going to come over to your side, which I told you is on my left. And, <laughs> and I want to know, what is this thing in that we all, everybody talks about Aquarius? How do you relate to the idea of rebellion? Is it something that you feel you, you is just innate or do you have it? Are you a rebel? How do you describe that? Oh my gosh. Yes, yes, yes. And yes. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I think I was telling you earlier, Mark, I feel like this is a presidential debate, but I'm not sticking to any rules because I don't do that. Um, you know, for me, I feel like it was innate. I just feel I was born that way. I, I have my own, I don't even want to use the phrase, you know, um, marching to the beat of my own drummer. I want to tell you that I, I just feel and hear a different rhythm. And if I don't honor that, I feel like I'm not being authentic to myself. Wow. Uh, and it's really important for me to honor what's really being said inside of me, that inner voice or inner calling or whatever you want to call it. I've got to be genuine to that in order to feel like I'm telling people the truth. So it's not and, rebellion and, for rebellion's sake. Like if I say, look, I like the color white, do you have to choose black or is it you go inside and see what's true for you first? I go inside and see what's true for me first in most cases. Okay. Okay. That's amazing. I love that. I want to elaborate a little bit on that in a minute. Mary, if I say white, do you have to say black or 
<laughs> I, you know, Mark, I just want to agree with Anita. I think ever since I was a kid, um, it really, it literally was what I would see in my mind or feel in my heart. It was so present and so kind of maybe from somewhere else, but it literally was um, on some level co-creating with the earth and co-creating with um, maybe, a, you know, the a big picture. But on some level, it felt that my, um, you know, it wasn't even rebellion. It actually felt that the, literally like every cell in my body would resonate with that is my truth. And of course, you know, humans are doing this at this moment or or this is in the future maybe a little bit and we're going to ground that in or bring that here. And so to me, it's just perspective. I've always felt like um, – you know, my body has a resonator and I, I'm seeing ideas or creations or things that may not always be grounded here on earth, but it's like opening the door and saying, maybe we could bring this in. Maybe this would help shift, change, open, heal, create something new or different here on this, on this place that we call earth. And so for me, it's really at this grand sense of adventure. And it's so I don't see it as contrarian. I just see it as like, hey, there's all these other ideas. Let's get together. Let's talk about them and let's co-create. Um, so I don't really see it as um, rebel rebellion in a way. I just see it as a big picture. Yeah. Maybe, we, maybe we could broaden that picture. Oh, gotcha. Now, Tamara, when first of all, I want to confirm: do you do you understand the concept of rebel, or is you're fitting in that you don't want to fit in? <laughs> well, I think every Aquarian understands the idea of being a rebel. But when you ask if I would rebel just for my own sake, I think what I always rebelled against was being told by others to not be who I was uh, authentically in the moment. And I was a very um, I was very outspoken as a child, and I would often get myself in trouble through my mouth. You know, I would just pop out with something, and I would be told, okay, that's enough now, dear, you know. And, uh, and I, I would, that's where, where we had a power struggle, because I would insist on, you know, why are you telling a lie right in front of us? <laughs> and, and um, you know, that just didn't fly very well socially. No, and now it wouldn't. And it's interesting that you say that because I want to talk about the truth and Aquarians. And I also want to know, was just on a silly thing for all of you, Tamara, you can start. Was there ever a rush you got when you're, when just looked a little different from the rest of the world? When you're (laughs) just cool enough for your, you know, this thing that nobody else was wearing? Was there kind of like inner, oh, yes, or no for you? Oh, well, that's a loaded question, (laughs) simply because, you know, I I grew up in the 70s, and I'm racially mixed, and I didn't look like anyone in my in my neighborhood. And so I actually was, uh, I always felt like I stuck out like a sore thumb. Um, But but later, when I kind of came into myself, I would say that I did get kind of a rush. There was a time I used to wear capes. In San Francisco, I went through this whole cape, <laughs> this whole cape time, and I was like, I'm going to wear these flowing capes and walk mysteriously, you know, and be very aloof, you know. And I, I was about 20, I and I, I really, I really got a rush from that. I was just such a weirdo. I love it. I mean, Nina, you relate to any of the clothing parts? Oh yes, 
You know, I, I've uh, my parents are from India, and growing up here as a first-generation American, Mark, I, I could not have been more different. <laughs> and what? no, seriously, I just could not have been. And in the time period that I grew up, 60s and 70s, that was not a good thing to be. You did not want to be different. You wanted to fit in in every way, shape, and form. And, you know, so I would get mad at my parents because they were trying to make me be the perfect little Indian girl in a society that, you know, just made you feel out of line if you stuck out in any way. So I, I can completely relate to that. I mean, I remember walking home from school one day with a group of 30 people on the other side of the sidewalk and me walking alone on the other side. <laughs> it, it, you know, it doesn't get clearer than that. <laughs> and now it's like I love being different. I mean, how could I not? Okay, so so far we have a little bit of agreement. We're going to find out from Mary if she concurs that there was a, at first a sense of, wait a minute, why am I so out here alone? And then it, it evolved as we get it, like, oh, I kind of like this. Uh, well, I, hell, hell yes, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> I keep I keep thinking of that um, Apple commercial, Think Different. You know, it keeps kind of popping in my mind. <laughs> But um, I will. I moved out of my home, you know, my my parents' home, the early side of seventeen. I was like, and it wasn't, you know, I don't like you, blah blah blah. It was a little bit of that, but it really was. I just didn't feel like I fit in, and I felt that there was a a place where I fit in better. And I remember hanging out with my family, and I would wear. I grew up, you know, near Berkeley, California. And, you know, but we came from Detroit, Michigan with what I call California Catholic values. And um, I remember coming home and sitting around the table with my family and I would I had I would wear speaking of clothing. I had these um, um, these amazingly hip tie dye jeans that were white and blue. And I had I wore I wore ponchos instead of capes. But I had this like poncho that went on it, and I, you know, and I would, I would literally walk in my house, and my family would look at me like I literally was from a different planet. Like, where did you get those clothes, and what are you doing? Um, God. So, yeah. So I, I definitely felt different, but I think where I grew up was, um, you know, being in the in this area where different is kind of embraced. It really kind of um, saved me in a way. Because there was enough of that, um, enough of the creative energy that I could plug in a lot of different places here. So I'm really grateful to the, the, the growing up in a place where different was very much embraced. But yes, I definitely felt that way 100%. Tamara had said that her parents were uh, racially mixed, and Anita said her parents were first-generation Indian. Kind of unique circumstances. Did you were your parents unique in any way for that, or is your uniqueness just yours? Um, I would say we're we're pretty true blue American, right out of Detroit, Michigan. My dad used to work for General Motors, and but but then he came out here, and um, what I actually think we have. We, I come from a line of inventors, people that invent things, but almost people that maybe had masked their inventive qualities. And so it's really interesting. I, I feel that um, I'm definitely embodying that uh, creative inventive streak within my ancestors. So 
So it's there. It's just a little, I think it was almost masked in that kind of 1950s, um, you know, we're going to kind of look like everybody else. I love it. Um, now, one of the one of the stereotypes of Aquarius, and I'll call it a stereotype, even though it's not necessarily one, um, there's typically a feeling uh, that Aquarius will, <laughs> people who write, they were born at the wrong place at the wrong time. Um, Tamara, is there a time that you um, that you identify with future, past or present that you feel uh, you would fit in better? Um, <clears throat> I, I am not <laughs> sure when would be best, uh, but but I do know that I did exactly feel like I was born in the wrong time in the wrong, wrong place. I mean, that was a very, um, uh, very strong thing for me when I was born when I was growing up. That's a typical thing. And, and just to add to that, um, was there also, um, did you notice Aquarians are ruled by the mind? Did you notice an active mind? Did you notice like an, uh, an inner activity always? Like, a, I, I, this is just for my own curiosity. Is the voice that Aquarians have that we'll talk about here in a little bit, is it an active chattery voice in your head for you? <laughs> Well, I just know when I was four years old, um, I had a babysitter and she, I would ask her all the time what infinity was. Oh. And so I, yes, I mean, I was crazy active and I was just into, um, wondering, I used to lie on my back, you know, trying to sleep at night and I would just imagine is the universe very, very big or is it really, really tiny or is it really, really big or is it really, really tiny? I was just doing this microcosm, macrocosm thing, which before, is before amazing. I, I Yeah, absolutely amazing. You you relate, Mayor, clear. Oh, well, it's funny when I, I worked at um, Wired magazine, um, which to me was kind of about opening, bringing the future here or, you know, to uh, almost like a, a soul group, we came together to kind of land and open up the, you know, bring, uh, kind of bringing the techno culture here to the earth. So to me, it was kind of bringing something from the future, kind of landing it. So I often feel that I'm, I'm very much live in the future, but almost like I, I, I'm kind of aware of the future to bring ideas here is is kind of the way I look at, at my role a little bit but um um but Tamara it's interesting that um I actually wrote a I created a, a a sim game when I was into my tech my tech land and it actually was about the macrocosm and the microcosm and how little things little small things are very much you know just the same creation of the universe as well it's all it all can be within your own your body is exactly a nope. universe on its own said that i love that yeah hey anita do you re what about your your technological skills your mind first of all i know you're brilliant already but do you do you apply that cuz see isn't not every aquarius i'm sure is technologically savvy but also it's Curious to see where your, what your relationship is to technology and how your relationship to that mind is. Well, you know, I feel like my mind is always working, Mark. And sometimes I wish I could just shut it off. <laughs> it, it just, yeah, I don't think that capability exists within me yeah. at least is it about the day is it about the world because this is the important segue for us to see about these humanitarian values that aquarians are reportedly have what 
mind do? Is it like, is it when you wake up, is it about yesterday? Is it about the day? What, give us an example, if you can, in a generic sense. What, what, what the, does that mind think about? Well, it's about right and wrong. It's about, it's, it's justice. It's, you know, I've, I've always felt like a very old soul. And there are certain time periods where I feel like I could have fit in much better. And this really was an accident. And not only is it wrong place and wrong time, but wrong planet. Okay. Yeah. So there, there's that going on as well. And, you know, also this concept when I was growing up of trying to understand free will and destiny. And, um, but what's the point? For me, it was always, what's the point? Cause God always knows what we're going to do anyway. Okay. And um, so there was a lot of trying to grasp those concepts. But now, for me, it really is about uh, right and wrong and humanitarian issues. And for me, personal issues, it's, um, it's hard to function if things are not made whole. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where I get stuck sometimes. It's... Um, whether it's in your personal life or community or global, mm-hmm. I think this year it's going to be more about the global scale. Mm-hmm. And it's somehow connected with the number 13. And I know we're in a sixth year, but that number 13 is standing out in such a strong, positive way. And, and don't get me wrong, it's not something negative. It's going to be very powerful and transformative, but with it, it's going to come a lot of upheaval. I just did the perfect Aquarian thing, and I'm going to let you speak on that, Mayor. The, um, you just showed us the tangential nature of Aquarius' mind. <laughs> Great way. Part of it, but it is like I'm telling you, if anybody listening has ever talked to an Aquarian for long, I want to know how many of you are like, wait a minute, throw me the rope. Let me catch up with you. <laughs> it's really good. So, Mary, you relate to the to the what the vision, or do you relate to the time works? Give us an, an idea about this humanitarian thing. Do you have a cause? Well, a- I, yeah, I definitely have a cause. But it was interesting when Anita said thirteen. I really felt the energy of an opening, and I have several causes. Number one, I work with the spirit of the earth and really listen and tune into the earth, and in a, in a sense, kind of talk sometimes two and four earth on the changes that the spirit of the earth is going through and how those actually, you know, we as humans are actually connected and are part of the earth. So as the earth evolves and changes her freak, her, his frequencies and, and the shifts of the, of the vibration, the tone, the pitch of the earth, we adapt that into our system because we really truly are part of the earth. And I feel a lot of you know, on some level, part of my mission or calling here is to reconnect people to nature, reconnect people to remembering that that we are part of this earth. We are not separate from that. And um, I actually am working on a book called Soul Stories of the Living Goddess, which is really around um, healing the the creativity, the the creative creative force, the sensual soul reconnection of that within the feminine and the masculine body. So that's a pretty deep calling. And really right now I've been working um, 
along with that book on really working to heal inner violence, the the inner violence that lives within us, which I think really creates any of that outer violence. And that really speaks Are directly to any of what, this? Um, what I felt from Anita. She says this year is going to be a, upheaval. I really feel it's the time that we're going in to heal a lot of that sub and unconscious violence, clean out a lot of the, the miasmic energy, a lot of that negative self-talk and really learn to love who we are, love this planet and love each other a lot more. Tamara, I have one question for you. Yes. Are you this? <laughs> oh, I relate to everything that I've been hearing. And I just wanted to say, Mark, that I've always found it really difficult to have personal ambition and to do things just for um, – just for me, I always have to frame it within how would this, what does this do for others as well? And I spent a lot of time in Los Angeles, uh, several years working on some solo performance pieces for stage, but the content was all about race and it was all about mm-hmm. connecting, uh, you know, through the years, race and culture and how, um, you know, racism basically in the United States. And so, I find that whatever I do, I want my voice to somehow connect people to um, their own healing. Mark and his guest will be right back after this short intermission. Hi, this is Mo Abdelbaki, and I'm here to tell you that I do believe in love, and I believe in magic. And guess what? Love and magic not only go together, but have been being put together since the beginning of our history. I'm offering a class this coming Thursday, January the 24th at 3 p.m. Pacific Time on Love Magic. That's right. And you don't have to be there to take the class. If you register, you will receive an MP3 of the class, whether you're there or not. So if you register, you're in. This class is going to teach tips and tricks on how not just to bring someone to your life, but that right someone into your life. Make 2013 about love and belief. I hope you'll join me on 12academy.com for the Love Magic class. But act quickly, because seating is limited. 2013 is your year to believe in love. Have you noticed more and more of your time is spent wishing for a different outcome? Or perhaps it seems that good fortune has made its way to everyone you know, but more than once it seems to pass you by? Hi, this is Tamara Childs, host of Your Inspired Life. And if you said yes to those questions, then I've got a show for you. On Your Inspired Life, let's turn on your inner vision so you can see your possibilities. Good fortune never passes you by. Sometimes your eyes are just looking in another direction. Each Friday on 1-2 Radio, I'll remind you of your ideal life with discussion, solutions, and live dialogue. Will you join me Fridays, 12 noon Pacific, right here on 1-2 Radio, changing the way you listen to the world. Berlin's Magic and Ancient Stones 2013. Step into a new dawn and touch your destiny. 
ancient Avebury learned to douse the land and stones with international expert Maria Wheatley. But you're really going to feel the, the power in the land because, uh, well, obviously we've doused it for so many years now. I can take you to the places where it's exceptionally powerful. All follow the ley lines to stand in ceremony at the centre of Stonehenge in Glastonbury scale the magical tour. Heal in the waters of the chalice well and attune your body and soul to sacred solfeggio sound with Tim Wheater. Come with us. Merlin's Magic at Ancient Stones 2013. Contact valcomozzi at gmail.com. Just exercising? It's my New Year's resolution. I'm going to work out for two hours every day. Wow, really? Oh, yeah. I'm going to quit smoking tomorrow and meditate for an hour each day, too. Whoa, that seems like a lot of resolutions. Are you sure you want to do that all at once? Not really, but I really do want to improve my life. Why don't you just listen to the Psychic Sisters on 1-2 Radio, Thursdays at 4 o'clock Pacific. They have a lot of great ways to talk. Thanks, I will. I love 1-2 Radio. They are changing the way we listen to the world. The road to consciousness and healing is filled with many choices. What path will you choose on your journey to consciousness? I choose gratitude. I choose peacefulness. I choose love. No matter what path you choose, Jim Komar is here to guide you. Pathways to Consciousness and Healing, your roadmap to endless possibilities. Every Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific on 1-2 Radio, changing the way we listen to the world. Sometimes we all just need a little confirmation, validation, and wise advice. That's where I come in. My name is Christy Brower, and I am a psychic advisor on 12listen.com. Give me a call. Let's clear away any roadblocks holding you back from a blessed 2013. And you're listening to 12 Radio, changing the way we, changing the way we listen to the world. If you'd like to be a guest on a panel, drop a note to voices at 12radio.com. And now, here's Mark. Healing. So whatever that is for them. And it's always like, do you, do you notice like what Mary was saying, which I was actually following perfectly, um, that there's a thing where there's a goal for the, the all of humanity. It, and Anita said the same thing. There's a goal for all of humanity. Do you do you do you carry that inside of you too? I mean, it, it yes, like- yes, I I do. I mean, I really relate to what Anita said about. Um, I'm going to say it in my own words, but sometimes I find it difficult to be extremely happy when I know there are things going on in other places <laughs> in the world um, that are very different. So then, then I the question I always ask myself is, how could I use my voice in service <laughs> of the world? 
Mm. Okay, so that is like across the board. Like that seems to be something that all Aquarians carry. It's the Promethean thing. It's like let me help humanity. And but the the side part bar to that is what we often hear is Aquarians love humanity but hate people. <laughs> no. 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 It's frustrating. <laughs> That's what I think it's trying to address. Like the individual, like the roommate or the president or that person, they're just people who are kind of dumb on an individual level, but collectively the whole, they have the right to be. Do you understand it from that point of view? Because that's what we say behind your back. Anita? <laughs> <laughs> yes, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> that's like saying, are you breathing? Like any thoughts on that Aquarius? That's so funny. Yeah. What do you think, Anita? Well, let me put it this way. For me, individually, it's very easy to be critical of other people. And, um, and you know, that's something that I am trying to rein in, in the sense that, you know, I need to be more open-minded and understand people's perspectives and, and, and show more compassion that way. And there are days I can do that, and there are other days where, Come on, people, can you just not get it? <laughs> just really. And um, I will go on and on, and then I'll calm down. And uh, But I, I'd say that's a very accurate um, perception. And, you know, I have a, a really difficult time, and it, happen- it just seems to increase as the years go on. A difficult time with structure. Yeah. Um, I, I, I just need to break out of it. I can't even do New Year's resolutions anymore. It's too structured. No, <laughs> let's just go with the flow, okay? Do you get that? Yeah. That's so good. I completely, I completely understand it. I think everyone in this uh, listening audience would understand that you're uh, also ahead of the game with that. And that's another thing. Mary, do you find this is a prejudice, and I'm sure it ties in, and you can certainly address any topics, that um, Aquarians... Now, this is a problem with individual Aquarians, and I want to see if any of you relate, but that you have had this idea that is like you've you've held this idea for 10 years. You finally are bored with it yourself. You move on, and now the world's up to it. And they're all at your face like, what? I was there 10 years ago. <laughs> oh, God, yes. I totally relate to that because, um, like I said, it's almost like sometimes I feel I maybe have one foot a little in the future. And actually, I think I channel sometimes ideas here and then create them. And, you know, the book, the book I'm working on, the Soul Stories Project, I started 10 years ago and it's been kind of it won't it's got its own manifestation timing to it, which doesn't map to my timing. But on some level, I'm trusting that there's a bigger force behind it that knows earth timing better than I do. So so I just kind of have learned to just release things um, instead of hold them and force them to happen and just trust that the timing that shows up is probably better than my pushy demeanor at times. So I under I understand that. And um, and I and what you said earlier, Mark, you know, I, I feel sometimes about other the way I might look at other people, I feel sometimes that maybe I'm more sensitive than others. So, you know, I'm just not, sometimes I do distance myself a little bit from, from other people, but sometimes it might be just because I feel 
energetically, empathically, or I don't kinesthetically maybe feel a little much. And so then I go into maybe what might be the Aquarian whole in a sense. Aha. I know that many of you here relate to the sense of oversensitivity. Uh, Tamara, <clears throat> the, uh, you can address any of the topics we just, that I just asked about, but what do you do attribute the sensitivity? First of all, I'm going to assume that you also relate to it. Cause I think I heard you do a radio show on it once, uh, being sensitive. Mm-hmm. And, what do, what do you think that's about? What What is that when you all are so – because do you all also know you're given the rap as being a little icy? So, I mean, we'll talk about that too. But here you are giving the rap as being icy and distant, but yet you're extraordinarily sensitive. you have any thoughts on that? Uh, I, I You know, I'm wondering if they're just different types of Aquarians. I mean, I and I've, I've observed Aquarians and I – um, I've known some that were just very strict about what they thought and they weren't really open. Um, and I just, I feel like Aquarians have very strong preferences and they are people who um, can be stubborn with their mindset and also feeling like, well, it's okay for me to have very strong preferences. Like I love, I love certain people and I hate other people and I love certain ideas and concepts and I hate other ideas and concepts as far as the sensitivity hmm because i'm not sure every aquarian is really sensitive um i've i've often wondered because i'm about equal parts pisces and aquarius i wonder if that's where the sensitivity is uh comes from but a lot of aquarians have brains that kind of uh you know they web out into other things and they could, they have these feelers out and I think their antenna are always out there. Um, I, I'm not quite sure, sure how to. Here's what I'm thinking. And I think you're right on. There are, of course, I was going to say, when you said maybe there's different types of queries, I'm going to say, no, you are all the same. <laughs> <laughs> That's the ultimate burn for us, Mark. <laughs> I, I think there is a thought that you guys are riddled with not guilt, but shoulds uh, review. Like, I wonder if I did the right thing. And did it because of the mind as a computer and because you all are oriented in the mind goes on ad infinitum. Because, like, well, what about that thought? And what about the thought about that thought? The idea might be the oversensitive ones are the ones who are indeed creating a way to be completely firm in their fiction to avoid the sensitivity. So in other words, it's a, maybe a counter step to um, being oversensitive by I'm, this is what I believe. This is, you know, I'm not changing this because if I did, I'd riddle myself. I'd be shoulds and, and possibilities and guilt or whatever it might be. So possibly there is a propensity to oversensitivity because you guys could imagine this segues to my next question, seeing both sides to everything. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So have you recognized it in you? Could you, just for the sake of argument, see yourself ta- being on the debate team and being either one, just give me a side and doing well? <laughs> yes, I, I really agree with that, Mark. I feel like sometimes my ability to make decisions is really hampered by this um, uh, great sort of ridiculous concern about contingencies or what would happen if I did something and the consequences of every little thing. And so I can see both sides and I follow them out too far rather than just staying with what's in the present moment. Like what's my next step? What do I need to do next? And so that's my problem.
practice because I can get way out there about what's going to happen. Well, that's so good. I think we're hitting on some good stuff. Anita, you relate to the never-ending debate of I see uh, possibilities on every angle, or are you pretty convicted like there is a right and wrong? Where where do you stand? Well, can I say both? <laughs> it's, um, you know, I mean, especially um, my, my other job where I work in state government, I I do, I can see both perspectives. Which and notice I say both and not multiple. Um, I can, I can see both sides of an issue because uh, I just love being able to step outside and be objective. And so when we're debating, especially policy issues and pros and cons, it's a good thing to be able to do. But believe me, there is always a bottom line and a right and wrong. There really is, and. Uh, I do a lot of shoulds, and I'm really trying to pull back on the shoulds, but I I find myself falling into that trap often and saying, okay, forget about the should, and let's look at this and realize there's a lot of gray area. It's not black and white, and it's okay to step into the gray. It's not that scary. Let's find out what's going to work best here. And that's a, a much less scary place to go into as I've gotten older. No doubt. And I'm wondering if all of you possibly would not benefit, and everyone listening, but especially Aquarians who are mindful, because you guys are really mindful. And I want to talk about that too. But you might benefit from the idea of once you make a decision, making a promise to yourself to stick with it, even if you find not stick with the decision, but hold for the part of you that made that decision and not beat it up, even if you find out later it was wrong. And that to give Aquarians that little bit of like heart part that says you're going to beat yourself up if you find out you've been doing, the, you know, holding for the wrong thing or made the wrong choice. So let's promise that we don't do that and let that be something that I, I really think would support the Aquarian ideal. Um, Mary, you relate to um, the devil's advocate because I think you are really one who demonstrates that as well. All of you, I see it in all of you, but I can see you going, um, holding for the like as a therapist, all of you have that, but I could see you really saying, look, it's okay, because here's the other side of that. Mm -hmm. Well, it's it's interesting. I, I just want to really agree with both Anita and Tamara on what they said about the the kind of back and forth and kind of sometimes it, it, it getting in the way from direct action in a sense. So I definitely really felt that. Um, and but in the last couple of years, I've been really releasing, in a sense, my own inner perfectionist around, you know, having to see both sides and, and really just trusting, moving more forward with my heart a little bit um, in cohesion with my mind. And that's really helped me make better, better decisions and movement. Um, the other day, I was discussing um, violence um, with a couple of a, a couple of people that I know uh, that have been working all around some projects with me. And I have, um, re, re, I work with um, a lot of women that have had violence and trauma. And um, recently I've had a lot of uh, young men come into my life, just showing up and had a lot of these gentlemen have been birthed from trauma into from trauma homes and, and have expressed a lot of, violent, um, you know, 
desires in a sense. And, and I feel almost on some level, the universe has been sending me all sides of this coin. So I can actually kind of what Anita says, get in the gray area and create programs that can actually help address all sides of, of an issue. Nice. Now, um, it's so interesting that we stay so issue oriented in this dialogue. And I'm really glad because I think it is a very important part of um, your uh, life. Um, do you find on the lighter side of things, Tamara, do you have like a favorite show that you love to watch or a type of show? Are you documentary? Are you fiction? Are you horror? <laughs> Uh, I, I love documentary, first of all. In fact, I'd like to make a documentary. I've been fantasizing for years about doing that. Um, I, I like drama. I like comedy. You know, I like modern family and I also like Mad Men. I like, I just, I like to see drama everywhere and the making fun. I also just, uh, love comedy because it's so, we have these inner characters and we go into inner characters that are just completely ridiculous. And so I love to see comedy out there because it, we're hilarious on the inside. Liz Green has talked about um, in her book, The Shadow Side of Aquarius. And one of the things that she addresses that's been a, a real a concern of a lot of people who talk to me about Aquarians or when I talk to an Aquarian is the the part of you guys because you're air and because you orient a reality. And this is what they say about Aquarians, and I'd love your opinion on this. You orient a reality based on a thought you have. So in other words, if this is how I believe romance should be, well, this is how romance should be. So if anything comes along that doesn't look like that, it doesn't really exist to me. Where that translates is if somebody comes along with an ideology that I do not like or do not believe in, it's easy for me to dismiss the ideology and the person. Do you like, and I'll give you an example. Like if somebody was really into most uh, heavy into a religion that was uh, a snake religion, let's say, for example, they really believe in dancing with them, getting in a pit, something I know that exists, but it's really <laughs> to the extreme. And you are like, I don't get into that. Is it possible for you? That, do you recognize a part of you that your mind won't let you open? to a, a, something that, that isn't familiar or that you've already decided doesn't have any merit? I mean, is that something that you relate to? Because that's listed as one of the shadows of Aquarius, that something, if it doesn't fit in their ideology, pretty much can't exist. Relate at all? Yes. Oh, can you and, explain that a little? Yeah. It, 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 I mean, for the longest time, Everything had to fit, and if it didn't, it got kicked out, Mark. And then I realized as I would do a, you know, a review of things that were going on that I was really limiting myself with those beliefs. Mm -hmm. And my, my life experience was teaching me that my ideology was not always accurate, mm -hmm. okay? It didn't work, and I was missing out on certain things by not opening my mind to these different ways of how things could be. And so we just, we have to recognize the ideology for what it is and embrace the values, but we also have to accept the ideology that planet Earth is one of the greatest learning grounds, you know? Yeah, absolutely. No, I love that. That sounds like a mature attitude for sure. Mary, you relating? Well, yeah, I, I would definitely say I've always been pretty open to a lot of different ideas and things and feelings and really um, 
you know, but, but I definitely feel that I had to in my, my later, later years, same thing with, with what Anita said is taking in ideas and actually watching my judgment mind and really saying, is that true? Is that real? Or is this a protection that I've been creating? You know, my way of thinking is sometimes what we were talking about earlier, adhering so kind of connected into the way I feel or think that it wasn't really opening up the bridge for new experience or new adventures. And so it, re it really is if I find myself getting in that kind of, um, I can almost feel a constriction in my mind when I'm like that, is really getting in there and asking myself a, a few sets of questions around what am I afraid of in this? Why am I holding this so tightly? And is there a, another way that I can revision this so it actually can soften the picture for myself? Do you guys um, relate to other Aquarians when you see them, or do you kind of get put put away? You have a is there a stereotype there, Tamara? You have an idea when you meet another Aquarius, are you kind of like yahoo, or are you like oh gosh, I'm gonna rebel? <laughs> <laughs> we still have you here, Tamara. Oh, oh no! Oh, oh no! I'm I'm here. Good. I think it depends on the Aquarian. Okay. Um, because, and as far as ideologies are concerned, I, I feel like they're just like a buffet, like a, a whole huge buffet and that Aquarians, just like they do other things, they give themselves permission for strong preferences. And so, uh, they may choose one ideology or they'll say no to another and, um, I'm, I'm not sure that, well, maybe they are just shutting the door and saying, saying, um, I can't let that in. But I think that's more an issue of development and maturity and that any Aquarian through time and through development allows their mind to be a tool for them and part of their toolkit and not something that runs them. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. One of the other stereotypes that we are fighting against or that I would like you all to clear up for me is I tend to give Aquarius the OCE award um, over Virgo in the terms of perfectionism, in terms – and the reason is because <laughs> – if you are orienting things in your mind, if you have an idea of what clean looks like, yikes. And it's got, you know, it's got to, you know, <laughs> look like that. Cause I was at an Aquarian's house once and was admiring this vase. Uh, I think they called it a vase. And I, um, <laughs> and I picked it up and I was looking at it and I was like, wow, that's amazing. And there was a little bit of like dust where it was. So I put it right back where it was on the counter. It, I thought perfectly, do you know, they went behind me and tilted it just like a fraction. And I was like, no, -uh. I, I was really in my head, but I was like, that's scary. Then I'm not going to touch another thing. Do you all relate to OCDness or is is it just, do you think, of a rumor? <laughs> Did you say OCD? Yeah. Oh or ADD. Obsessive-compulsive. I think it's OCD. I need I, things exactly the way they need to be in my mind or I won't stop thinking about it kind of thing. I don't think I – I don't relate to that. Okay. Not, no. Not a perfectionist in that. I'm perfect. I like my perfectionist tendency, but I actually think it's more of like a um, – a friend that has brought me to some really great places, but something I can drop when I need to drop it. You, uh, Tamara, OCD? Uh, maybe a little. Yeah. Anita? <laughs> maybe a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm going to conclude with a yes or no to each of you because you guys have been so great. But just yes or no, and, and you can say maybe. Or I don't know, but is there life on other planet, Tamara? Is there life other than Earth? Oh, 
Absolutely. Oh, wow. Without doubt, you say yes. Anita? Not sure. Not sure. Mary? 100% yes. Wow, I love it. You know, you guys, you're awesome. I can't imagine that people listening to this cannot imagine hanging out with an Aquarian and really getting that there's not much about them that couldn't be accepted. Because one of the things I love about Aquarius, one of the many things I love about Aquarius is your ability to fight for the underdog. Because I do feel if I was in trouble and I needed help, I'd go to my Aquarians and get the support I needed because I know you guys would find where I'd get my mind turned around. And, um, so I want to thank you for that. I want to thank each of you. Really briefly, uh, will you share where you want your public to find you? Uh, Tamara, where people want to know who you are? Like I know everyone reads it, one, two, listen. But is there something special you want them to visit right now that you're up to? Facebook, anything? Oh, uh, well, there's Tamara Child's Conscious Insights, or you can just search my name on Facebook and come over and like the page and uh, read the Power Peak if you like. Nice. I love mm-hmm. that. Anita, how about you? Uh, Facebook, I have a, a special page, Angels Around the Earth. Angels Around the Earth on Facebook. Thank you for that. And Mary, how about you? On one, two, listen, tons. Most uh, most every day I'm up or around there. You yep. can find me at maryspicer.com or facebook.com slash Mary P. Spicer. Wow. You guys, what an inspired panel. I want to... Um, Anita, I want you to have the most rapid and unusual healing ever because of its rapidness and uh, and get better. It's incredible to hear your voice. I'm so happy that you're at the other end of your journey health-wise. Tamara, you too. Get everybody get – I mean, I, you go, both have been working in so many ways in, in a great healing capacity. Mm-hmm. And, Mary, you're out there on an island that um, it almost – it seems like an island. And um, it seems like every day you're creating something new to play with, and that's what I really count on for. So I want – you ought to know how much I appreciate your coming here. And I hope we can go to phase two on the Aquarian show and I'll come up with um, even more important questions that I feel like will help people understand the depth of who you guys are and why they'd be lucky sons of bitches to be hooked up with you. So (laughs) I I want you guys to know how much I appreciate your time today. And thank you so much for visiting everybody. This will be archived uh, uh, at 12radio.com. And we'll also have it as a podcast at iTunes. So check it out. Just Google my name, Mark Husson. Thank you for joining us. This has been One Too Many Voices with my incredible panel. Each of us has a voice. And each of us has a constitutional right to share that voice. But there are a few things as powerful as the collective voices expressing their ideals with the singular purpose of understanding. One Too Many Voices is here with your host, Mark Husson, to bring that form to life each week on One Too Radio. Topics that matter with voices that care. One Too Many Voices, here on One Too Radio. Changing the way we listen to the world.